Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Friday, December 16th. It is six minutes after 10. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall has the day off and filling in is Tony Kinnett. Welcome to the show, Tony. Oh, it is a beautiful, frosty morning and I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. And we're glad you're here today. So let's talk about what's going on in the South. As many as 14,000 illegals are expected to cross the border a day beginning next week. So just just imagine the entire population of New Orleans lined up at the border, ready to come on in. Hey, good, same. Good That's for what's going on. Looking behind us here, CNN actually covering the border. Oh my God! It is. It, is it like? Are we still in the same timeline? I, I think CNN's had a camera down at the border once in the last three and a half decades. Good for them. So what they say? Two million pending cases. Average wait time for a hearing is four point three years. So you, yeah. CNN's been to the border. MSNBC has been to the border. You know who hasn't been to the border? Oh, it, it couldn't be someone in our administration running the country, could it? The big guy. The big guy. The man who loses his way off a stage. Mm-hmm. So he said back in September, we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, sure, Uh sure. But uh, currently, the administration might actually be considering asylum denial, which seems to be an admittance to a problem. Wait a minute, isn't that a humanitarian war crime or something to deny a migrant? You're just, I mean, this is supposed to be like somebody's gender. If someone says they're a migrant, if someone says they're a different gender, you're just supposed to take them at their word. You know, I believe her, you know, that kind of me too thing. You just believe them, take them at their word. Otherwise, why would they be here if, you know, they weren't being honest? Well, not only is it a problem in the border states, all the states are becoming border states. Mm Mm-hmm. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams has reportedly requested about a billion dollars in federal funding. Remember, it's Sanctuary City. Oh, yeah. He said, come on in. Come on in. It's open. Oh, we need a billion dollars to handle this. Oh, so the, the amount of money that they need to handle it, but mm-hmm. uh, how we're not going to give that to the border states to you know improve facilities, to you know give them supplies, to make sure that we're actually able to staff those facilities properly so that we can keep something for being a 4.6-year wait for a hearing. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're just going to give it to cities that already can't manage their own homeless population, much less all of the influx of, well, homeless, because they're migrating from an entirely different place on the face of the earth. Karine Jean-Pierre had a presser, and uh, she was asked a lot of questions about this, about the border, and especially with Title 42 expiring next week. But uh, don't, don't you worry. Don't worry. Mayorkas is on it. Are you aware of this warning from DHS, and do you have an estimate of how many people you're expecting will try and cross the border when Title 42 Look, I don't have an estimate to share with you. What I can tell you is that the Department of Homeland uh, Homeland Security has put out uh, a six-point plan. As you all know, my uh, Secretary Mayorkas was at the border uh, just recently to talk about this plan, put out a statement, and so we are focused. Uh, We are focused and we are prepared. Uh, We will have more to share in the next coming days uh, on uh, on this piece. Uh, but 
That's why that's why they were that's why Marcus was at the border. Not to actually address the issue, not to speak with staff, not mm-hmm. to take a look at the situation, but for the optics of releasing a statement. That's what the administration thinks. Again, it's like it's why the White House is lit up in rainbow colors. It's not actually about policies that are being passed and things that are affecting people. It's about how it looks. It's about how it looks. Yeah. That, that, that's what you are. You're a political prop to the administration. Okay, so she went on to say that the Biden administration has been doing the work to secure the border despite historic migrants trampling in. We continue to see political stunts from uh, many Republicans out there, and that's not how we're going to fix uh, this issue. They want to uh, they want to uh, secure the border. We've been doing that work on our own, and uh, we ask we're asking them to hey, you know what? There's an immigration reform plan that the president put out on the first day. They should work with us and do this in a bipartisan way. Mm-hmm. So I used to have students that would tell me, I've been working on this homework assignment like for three <laughs> days. I mean, I was mm-hmm. like, just, I couldn't get it done. It's been difficult. So I'd say, okay, well, show me the assignment. Mm-hmm. Show me the work. Mm-hmm. Get out the paper. Show me what you've been doing. You know, the Biden administration claims that they have been doing all of this stuff to work on the border. You know, one of their, their suggestions is a smart border, that we use drones and other things to kind of monitor the border, not just a wall. Okay, where are the drones then? Show me the procedures. Show me the staffers willing to go on the air and and say, since the Biden administration has taken control, this is what they have been doing to improve the border. Show me the grunt on the ground being trained in these new procedures. Because what I'm seeing is apathy and and the cold shoulder. I mean, it's like the administration got in an argument, like in a, in a married couple spouse fight with the border, and now they're giving them the cold shoulder. It, it's pathetic. <laughs> well, just so you know. Biden's done the work. He has. And you know how we know that's true? Because he's been in the office for decades and has never passed immigration policy of any kind? No, because Karine Jean-Pierre told us. What Americans should know is that the president uh, has done uh, has done the work uh, to deal with what we're seeing at the border since day one. Mm, he's done the work. He's doing the work. He can't show you the work. Tony, I know you want to see the work. You want to see results. No, he's doing the work. Oh, okay? eating ice cream and falling off of bicycles. That's the work to be done. Mm-hmm. Thank God. It is 11 minutes after 10. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. That is Tony Kinnett filling in today. Another big story. Uh, I know you were having some fun on your phone last night. Twitter suspending loads of liberal accounts. And wow, are they upset about this? Uh, a Washington Post reporter, Taylor Lorenz, account has been scrubbed. She went back and deleted all yeah, her posts. Yeah, she went posts. back and deleted her she stuff. She set and her account her to account. private mode. And uh, so let's see here. We've got reporters from CNN, the New York Times, also the Washington Post, all being suspended. And Elon Musk said, criticizing me all day long is totally fine, but doxing my real time location and endangering my family is not. Yeah, so let's actually give the listeners some context because no one on network news actually seems to be competent of describing why individuals have been suspended on Twitter recently. Mm-hmm. So, there was this account called Elon Jet that would track every single place Elon was going to be so that media and other individuals who very much did not like him would be there once he landed. Mm-hmm. And they would swarm him. They would start to overwhelm his security. We actually saw the same kind of a thing with Princess Diana mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Kind of a weird... Uh, parallel moment here. And so Elon's like, look, you are not going to use uh, Twitter to 
publish the real-time locations of individuals if they haven't announced it themselves. So you're not going to say, hey, this person's right here. Everyone should come and, and you know, confront them. No, that's a form of doxing. That's not going to be a thing. And he made that. That is a Twitter term of use policy. Right. It's terms of service. You're right. breaking the rules. So all of these liberal accounts, uh, a lot of journalists from CNN, WAPO, et cetera, mm-hmm. they're like, well, we'll show him. We'll just start tweeting out the information ourselves. He'll never ban us. And so they messed around and they found out. They played stupid games, and guess what? They mm-hmm. won stupid prizes, and mm-hmm. they are getting kicked off of Twitter, and it is the best thing in the world. The bleeding, the screaming, the gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. It's revelation amounts of horrible crying, and I am here for it. <laughs> so it's a seven-day suspension for doxing. Uh, sometime <laughs> being away from Twitter is good for the soul. That's what Elon Musk said. So he said, this is a temporary suspension. You broke the rule. These are the consequences. You're off the platform. And if you come back, it's up to you on whether you follow the terms of service or not. And there are people saying, well, oh, but free speech. He said he was a free speech mm-hmm. absolutist. Where's the free speech here? And it's like, mm-hmm. OK, doxing is not considered a part of free speech. I'm not allowed to rip the credit card out of your purse and then tweet, hey, here are here, you know, here's Casey's credit card information. Mm-hmm. That's not allowed. That's that's not something that has ever been allowed on social media and enforcing a policy is just that as opposed to when conservatives were being kicked off the platform for no reason i mean back when i ran chalkboard review in in february our account and half of my staff was suspended from twitter from for no reason at all they never gave us any explanation none of these journalists ever protested that i never and all a lot of these journalists had followed the news the story was a national story the chalkboard review and my staff had been kicked off of twitter None of them ever said a word in protest against it. And so now they're they're getting kind of some of the same taste of their own medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm not going to be cajoled or, or browbeaten into feeling sorry for them. Good. Enjoy it. I, I'm going to laugh the entire time and no one's going to make me feel bad about it. There's been some relatively high profile people that have been suspended. Uh, Keith Oberman. Aaron Rupart. Yeah. yeah and. This morning, CNN said, or maybe it was last night, they said that they're going to reevaluate their use of Twitter. Good. Oh, I love it. They can try the very same thing that, uh, what was it? Uh, was it NBC or CBS? It was CBS News that also when Elon took over was like, we're going to stop posting news because we're afraid of, of security and safety. And that, that lasted literally like 24 hours. And then they were like, all right, we're back. We're back <laughs> because we need this platform and everybody just keeps going back to the same thing. I, I, it's his company. He can do what he wants, but you're violating the terms of service. Okay. But so some of the hypocrisy the here is really great. So yesterday we mentioned that the Washington Post is laying off a lot of its employees. Right. The editor in chief of the Washington Post tweeted this morning that, that Elon Musk was doing things that was damaging to journalists and he was threatening journalists and he was causing irrevocable harm to the journalism community mm-hmm. after she just laid off a bunch of her journalist staff. <laughs> They're so important, they're not important enough to keep around. The lack of self-awareness is palpable, and mm-hmm. it is delightful. Hey, quickly, let's talk about Eric Holcomb. Do we? Oh, mm, what, were you, what were you going to say? Uh, that sounded I, like the spirit of Rob Kendall running through you. I mean, I, I, I yeah, mm, boy. Okay, okay, so far, he's declining to throw his support behind any of the candidates in the governor's race. Good, because that would be like throwing an albatross around someone's neck. 
So far, we've got uh, the business business person from Fort Wayne, Eric Doden. He's he's in the running. You've got uh, U.S. Senator Mike Braun and also Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch have all officially announced that they're running for governor. Oh, Crouch doesn't. I, I like Crouch a lot. I think she's a really nice person. She doesn't have a chance. Um, I just don't I don't see it. I, I don't. She just doesn't have the presence of a gubernatorial candidate. Mm-hmm. That, and that, that matters. I'm, I'm not saying policy-wise, I'm just not... And I've spoken to her several times. She's, she's very, very pleasant and she's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not seeing her really carrying Indiana in a forward-moving direction because I'm not really getting in a momentum. Maybe that, I don't maybe that's rub off from Holcomb. It's interesting that you said she doesn't have a presence because, you know, Rob keeps calling her Silent Susie. Uh, mostly because she never stood up to Eric Holcomb during the lockdowns and just went along with, and every, that is a very fair with criticism. Every, everything that, you know, he did. But Holcomb said, obviously, I knew the lieutenant governor the best. I've worked with her every day. I asked her to join the administration and uh, she, I thought she could do the job and she did do the job. He hasn't changed his mind about that, but it's too early for him to endorse any candidate. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of time between now and the election. I don't really see an, an, a necessity for him to do so. It, it's very clear that he's also kind of scrambling, figuring out what he's going to do. He does not have a prayer to win the Senate, to win the nomination for the Senate mm-hmm. at all. I, I think that's really where more of the energy should be rather than gearing up for the Indiana gubernatorial election. I, I, honestly, I, as far as looking at the candidates so far, I just think it's funny. Mike Braun has gone from having relatively little in terms of things to say in the media before the Senate. Now he's just like doing all of the media mm-hmm. everywhere and he's like developed a personality overnight. And I think that's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing where Is it coincidental? Going. Because he's running for governor? No, it's exactly why he's doing it. I'm not, yeah. I don't, I'm not even begrudging him that at all. I mean, that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. Really. I, I hope that he actually listens to a lot of what Hoosiers have hated about the Holcomb administration over the last couple of years. And every time Holcomb has doubled down. Well, there was a lot of talk that Holcomb was going to try and be the new president of the NCAA. And that opening has been filled. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker has been selected as the next president for the NCAA. Oh, so you you were shame. asking, what will Holcomb do? Well, he's not going to do that job. But he did say that he expects to announce his legislative agenda on January 4th, just before the General Assembly reconvenes. And um, he said there's a lot of work to be done in yeah, Indiana. Gas taxes can always be higher. I mean, it. we've gone a whole year and a half without it being a misdemeanor to not wear a mask. So, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what his next legislative priorities will be? Well, it sounds like he spelled out a couple of them. And he said that there's a lot of work to be done in Indiana regarding mental health, infant mortality rates, and also opportunities for immigrants. Interesting. Uh, what about the the licensure requirements that keep actual Hoosiers who are trying to improve economically from starting their own hair salon, from starting their own businesses, from working in any industry? Uh, what about things that, that, I mean, yes, of course, mental health matters. Why are we making that the entire policy of, of the state? Infant mortality? That's one of the three planks of his platform. I, this is it's cowardice to avoid serious issues that Hoosiers face and not have a serious debate that people may disagree with you on and just choose soft handed, good natured policies that everyone's going to be OK with. The part that I find, I I don't even know the word that I'm going to use for it. Uh, you know, he talks about mental health and we've discussed how right now one in five teenagers are experiencing suicidal thoughts and it, <laughs> a lot of it perpetuated because of the lockdowns that he instigated. 
So it's a nice little circle there. And, and, and also, I created the problem, and now I have to help fix the and problem. And he's shown that he doesn't care about a, a certain degree of Hoosiers. Again, I think about the the people that he chooses to invite over to his his you know governor's residence. He, he invites the teachers' unions over to talk about education. Uh, you know, he's in, invited uh, some questionable characters to help uh, frame his policy regarding police and and safety for the state of Indiana. I'm just. I'm really just not seeing the governor actually moving anything's anything forward in a conservative manner at all. He's he's just so blase. It's it's pathetic. That's Tony Kennett, and you're listening to Kennel and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. <laughs> I like this story. So you're listening to the Kennel and Casey show on 93 WIBC. It is 24 minutes after 10. So for years, I binge-watched Survivor, okay. the TV program. It became my daughter and I's. It was our thing. We would sit down and watch the show. And then it became really woke, just like everything else, right? Mm. And I stopped watching because, you know, uh, they have the panel there when they're in the in the tribe voting people out and they just you know they 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 went crazy so i had to quit watching it but season 43 winner his name is mike gabler he donated the entire one million dollar prize to veterans that's awesome and that got my attention and i thought okay maybe i'm gonna have to go back and watch season 43 and he's a heart valve specialist which leads me to believe he really didn't need the $1 million prize to begin with. And now he's donated his winnings away. And he said that there are people who need that money and uh, he's donating the entire prize in his father's name, who was a Green Beret, to cool. veterans. Let's go. Yeah, and he said uh, these veterans are in need, especially the ones that are recovering from psychiatric prob- problems, PTSD, and he also wants to curb the suicide epidemic among veterans. So, Survivor season 43 is now back on the must watch list for me. Yeah, that's just that's fantastic. I love seeing candidates that uh, on any kind of a contest show that, mm-hmm. that actually kind of put others above themselves. Yeah. And not in that fake way where they like hug the contestant that just lost. Um, but right. actually and not just saying, well, you know, I'm giving it to charity just to, to give to charity. But they actually have a specific reason uh, as to why they are really investing something that they earned, you know, that they're out there mm-hmm. working hard feasibly to get. I love that. I mean, there's nothing to dislike about that. I think that there is far too little attention in our country paid towards uh, our veterans and uh, everything from the mental and the physical conditions that they face daily. Especially at a time when many of them are struggling and they've been told by the administration just to get on food stamps. Oh, if you can't make ends meet, here's food stamps. No, these are people that are fighting for our country. They have... um, you know, the gumption to put on a uniform and go away to faraway distant lands, putting their life on the line, and you're telling them to get on food stamps? Oh, hell no. Or or firing members of, of the Coast Guard because they weren't vaccinated with an right. experimental vaccine that has yeah. not actually shown to reduce transmission. So I wanted to mention that the Indiana Chamber of Commerce has announced the coolest things made in Indiana. Lots of cool things made in the Hoosier State every year. Apparently, they come out with this list. And the winner was Maple Leaf Farms of Leesburgs. 
So they make this thing called a roast half duck. A roast half duck, you say? It's described as a fully cooked dish that saves chefs lots of time and allows them to create a restaurant quality meal at home with their families. And Maple Leaf Farms and the roast half duck is the coolest thing made in Indiana, according to the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Now, there was a runner-up. Okay, what's the runner-up? The runner-up was Pollywood of Syracuse. They make weatherproof outdoor furniture using recycled plastic. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that's neat. I I, I like that. I'm an engineering kind of guy. I mean, I I really enjoyed cooking and I enjoy food. I would have to taste this duck. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I feel like giving the half roast duck like this time saver is the greatest invention in the state of Indiana this year. (laughs) Hey, look, maybe it's delicious duck. Maybe Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you like you say, hey, what do you want for dinner? Duck. It's like, oh, no, that's a six hour process. I'm Mm -hmm. never going to be able to do that. Maybe this is like the time saver. Heck, I don't know. I guess like, can I get this duck anywhere or like... Do I have yes. to drive there to get? It? I don't <laughs> Do you know. Have to like go where? to Maple Leaf Farms? No, I believe it's sold in it's sold in grocery stores. So look for it. Okay. Okay. If it's the greatest <laughs> invention, if it's not though, and it's just like I mean, it's just a duck, then I don't know. We're gonna have to start, you know, trying to petition for a better inventions of Indiana. A list. better, coolest thing made in Indiana. It is ten twenty nine. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on ninety three WIBC. That's Tony Kinnett filling in. And coming up next, we've got your voicemails. And Tony, you got a question. There's one. Directed at you about the uh, Pendleton thing you've been working on. So we're going to get to that coming up from 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Number 317-684-8444. It is time for your voicemails. 93 WIBC. It is 1035. This is uh, my favorite portion of the program where we get to hear from you and Tony. We start off with a question for you. Nifty. Nifty, nifty. Okay, so Kevin, we ready? All right, let's roll it. Hi, this is for Tony. Uh, good job yesterday. Enjoy hearing you on the air and your school board updates that you give to Hammer and Nigel all the time. Uh, but kind of disappointed. Uh, didn't hear anything about your visit yesterday, uh, last week, to the Pendleton School Board meeting. Uh, kind of figured we'd get an update on that yesterday. Uh, the other thing, you were talking about the uh, election integrity not being at the top of people's list. Well, I think it should be at the top of the list because without election integrity, uh, you're never going to get a Republican president again anyways. But if you remember back when Obama was president, he promised to irreversibly transform the country. And he did that by bringing in hundreds of thousands of immigrants, mostly of Muslim descent from the continent of Africa and the Middle East. And then here comes Biden flooding the country with all these immigrants from down south and every place else in the world that's flying to the southern border to cross. What the Democrats aren't taking into account and what no one else is talking about is all these immigrants coming here, legal or not, are having anchor babies. These anchor babies get U.S. birth certificates. Someday they're going to be able to vote. Not only are they going to be able to vote, but they're going to be able to run for office. 
who do you think all these immigrants are going to vote for? It's not going to be the, the rich old white lady or the rich old white guy or the Andre Carsons of the world. They're going to vote for people that look and think like them. Obama has lived up to his promise to irreversibly change this country or destroy the country, however you want to look at it. So those are my thoughts. Uh, hopefully I'll look forward to hearing your update on Pendleton on Friday's show. Have- uh, okay, so which one do you want to address first there? I mean, we could work backwards and actually, because okay. I can I can hit the the second point probably a little bit quicker and, and just address it directly. So first of all, the, the one problem uh, with the whole flooding the country with immigrants from the South, uh, making the country bluer, is that Democrats are losing the Hispanic vote so fast it's making their head spin. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out Hispanics don't like LGBTQ and abortion and mm-hmm. all of the stuff that they've escaped from a lot of the communist nations they fled from for. And what we're seeing in a lot of states flooding with immigrants, uh, Hispanic immigrants, legal immigrants, and I'm very close with a lot of the Hispanic community in Indianapolis, they are getting redder by the day. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm... Maya, Maya Flores. Yeah, right. and I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that that particular point is the best. As far as if you if election integrity is your biggest issue, great. I think that election integrity is important. I said that it is not, it should not be a candidate's number one talking point as it was Carrie Lakes. Mm-hmm. That's it. If it's your most important thing, great. I, I think that a candidate should have good planks as a part of their platform that state how they're going to make elections uh, a more sound and secure function, mm-hmm. like voter ID laws, etc. Also restricting um, mail-in and some of the other weird hanky stuff. That's all there is there. I'm, I'm sorry that I was missing. I, I didn't mean to, you know. It should be one. One of. Yeah, one of. I just don't think it should be the most important thing. And mm-hmm. that's just my catch. If it's your most important thing, cool. More more power to you. I'll, I'll do my best to do more research on that to speak better on it. As to the Pendleton thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So give us a little background because if you haven't listened to Tony with his hammer and Nigel breaks, then maybe you're not familiar with this story. So you need to give us some background and then what's going on now. Yeah, uh, so very uh, quick background. The South Madison Community School Corporation, that's in Pendleton, uh, the administrator, Dr. Hall, and that's the superintendent, and the assistant superintendent, uh, that would be Andrew Kruer, had ordered counselors, uh, a lot of them against their will, to tell teachers that if a student had decided they were a different gender with a different name and pronouns, Mm -hmm. uh, that the teachers were not allowed to tell the parent. Um, and we have emails, uh, several emails actually from the district showing that counselors were ordering teachers not to disclose personal information from students to parents, which is horrible. And the counselor that went on the record and talked with us, she absolutely hates the practice. Uh, she thinks it's abhorrent. That's at why she revealed all the stuff and went on the record with us. A teacher resigned in protest over the matter. Several teachers are very upset. Uh, there's close to like 10 members of staff that are considering walking out. And so uh, we broke that story nationally. Mm -hmm. I asked the administration very in a point blank fashion, why do you have this policy to keep information from parents? Why is that your district's policy? And I was told uh, by the president of the school board, no comment. And then he gave me some off the record reasons that were absolute garbage, that not true at all. That's not how Indiana policy works. Uh, the official answer from the district was, we are refusing to provide a comment to you. There it, was a, yeah, that's it. Okay. So a couple days later, there's a school board meeting scheduled, and uh, I announced that I was going to go. And I got really sick, verifiably sick and mm-hmm. ill uh, right before the meeting. Didn't want to go and be accused of the guy that came and gave everyone COVID or whatever else at the meeting. So I watched it via a live stream. 
It was packed full of parents. It was packed full of concerned community members who then pressured the district to answer questions. The district said, well, the reason that we're not sharing gender stuff with you is because uh, it's a non-discrimination policy. And if that doesn't make sense to you, uh, correct, it does not make any sense at all. And it was a very garbage answer. Uh, there was a very funny moment where a lot of the left-wing uh, advocates that came were saying that they were in favor of the policy, and then the board would get up and say, "Well, there's actually no policy that exists where we tell people not to, uh, you know, not to tell parents." It was it was quite a mess. I am releasing an article for the Daily Signal, kind of a follow-up story on it. Mm-hmm. There are some questions if the school board president uh, may have violated the law because he threw out a parent and ordered a police officer to throw out a parent from the building, uh, which. Uh, School board members do not have the authority to order police around. That's not a thing they can do. So it was kind of a weird situation there. Uh, Mostly, I was really encouraged by all of the parents who simply are making it clear to to the Pendleton schools, Pendleton Heights and the South Madison Community School Corporation at large, you are going to be transparent with us because those are our children. And if you don't, there will be consequences. Okay, that's where we are. That's there's, where we are. There's your update. Sorry for the the long-winded explanation. There. No, no, it's great. And you know what? That that uh, it's a it's a good time to tease something that's been going on in Oregon, and we're going to get your uh, your input on that coming up in just a bit. But on to more phone calls at three one seven six eight four eight four four four. Tony, uh, somebody called yesterday and sang a few songs for us. They, they were all right. He stepped up his game today and wrote one for you. I'd like to thank you very much for playing both my songs yesterday, so I decided to write one more since Tony Kennett there don't like it too much, so here it goes. Oh, I'm so excited. Tony Kennett don't like my song. Well, Tony Kennett, I think you might be wrong. You're only on the radio because Robbie is gone. <laughs> the Tony sucks, that's the name of this song. Nice. Have that's a beautiful a day. Casey, you're wonderful. Thank you. See, the only reason I picked that one is because he said, Casey, you're wonderful. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful song in A, and good on him. Yeah, as a guest host, I do tend to be here when people are gone. That Look, anyone who actually sat through vocabulary class and understands the meaning of words, good for him. I'm proud of him. Did you say that that was a song in A? That is. That in, is a in song the in the key of A. Of a. Yes. Oh, wow. So okay. Are you saying he has perfect pitch? I, I do, and my I, uh, if you if I say that loud enough, musicians around the area will roll their eyes because it's a it's kind of a funny joke in the music community. All right, one last phone call. Hey, I just wanted to uh, point out that uh, once uh, Sam Bankman Fried is in prison, um, you know his family can try and bring him vegan dishes, but he'll get all the meat and, and tossed salad he wants. <laughs> That shouldn't be an issue. So, <laughs> We were talking yesterday about how Sam Bankman-Fried wanted to be released from custody because he wanted to have a vegan sandwich. And uh, there's, a, there's a joke for you. I, I just, I'm still flabbergasted at the, at the idea that his family called in and said, can you please make sure that he gets extra lettuce and his vegan meal, please? <laughs> it's like, dude, you should just be hoping he doesn't get maggots and glass shards in his bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hammer's going to join us next. It is 1045. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning, you are listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Tony Kennett is filling in for Rob today, and Hammer's joining us in the studio. Hey now. Are you still glowing from all of your awards you won yesterday? <laughs> Number one afternoon show in the country? Just in because the country. That's amazing. we're better than everybody else and we know it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I'm glowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean that I walk around here thinking that uh, you know I'm Mr. King, because truth be told, I did that all along, Casey. <laughs> it's the same hammer. Right. Here's the thing. Like, this if time you, recognized. If you act like a pompous, arrogant jag off all the time, Present. then you Sorry. can say that the fame <laughs> never really changed who you were. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, so Tony Katz was actually in the studio this morning, and when we came in, I said, hey, congratulations. And he said, on what? I said, number two, Barrett News Media. And he said, yeah, what kind of world are we living in where Hammer and Nigel are number one and Kendall and Casey are number eight? Well, I'm sorry that he feels that way, but look at this station, though, because our boss today, let's give our boss a little love. Mm -hmm. He came in as number three on the list of program directors around the nation. Wow! So we've got, you know, all of our programs in the top 10. Mm -hmm. Our boss is number three. Mm -hmm. Again, for all of the haters of this radio station, people that go on these, you know, message boards on Facebook and every once in a while you get them in the chats on the Mm -hmm. YouTube stream. Mm -hmm. I liked it better when IBC was like this, like that. Well, you know what? Bite me, because this station's doing better now absolutely, than it ever has been in terms of sustained ratings, mm-hmm. right? We've been number one for like five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony's been rolling. You guys have been rolling. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're any better than some of the greats that have gone before us, right? Yeah. Greg Garrison, Dave the King Wilson, who's one of my radio heroes, just the absolute best. Um, you know, Mike Pence used to sit in that very chair mm-hmm. that Tony Kennett is sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. Jeff Pigeon, Terry, all these folks, they laid the groundwork here, uh, but I think we're in the conversation. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Uh, they're going to release uh, the best station soon, one of these days, right? After they do all the personalities and the programmers, then eventually they... Right. And if we don't beat Cincinnati... Oh, we have to beat Cincinnati one, this year. Oh, I'm, I'm Then still I say that we it. have... A, you know, we demand a recount. We hire the attorneys <laughs> that... Or we uh, take a Kerry Lake has brought in. <laughs> right. We're doing right. our show outside of the Cincinnati studios. Right, exactly. Road trip. We'll, we'll show them. Okay, so I've been saving this article until you came in because I wanted to talk with you about it. When I see a headline like this, there's only one person that I think of. Toilet time. Oh. Is your mobile device affected? how long you're in the bathroom. Experts reveal health risk. So they say that spending more than 10 minutes on the toilet may pose risks to your bum, Hammer. And people are increasingly spending more and more time sitting on the potty because they're sitting on their phone scrolling away. All right, so let's get down to a couple different things here. First of all, <laughs> if you're not there for at least 10 minutes, why even go? Mm. Like, you're Make not it doing experience. it right. Yeah. Now, maybe my diet's different than a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Some folks eat kale. I eat tons of beef. So, of course, <laughs> my experience is going to be a little bit longer mm-hmm. than, say, 
somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having your phone, I can multitask. A lot of times when I'm texting you, Casey, and we're going back and forth about things to talk about during this segment and mm-hmm. on the show. You're I'm, actually sitting on the toilet? I am taking the Browns to the Super Bowl. Oh, no. That's a visual I can't get out of my head now. You're welcome. So the survey says that 70% of Americans admit to using their phone while they're on the toilet. The other 30% are lying. Right. The other 30% are lying. Get out of here. What's Everyone wrong? Everyone is using their phone What's while they're on the toilet. It? Uh-huh. I mean, what did that... you do before you had your smartphone? I read shampoo bottles. That's exactly. I, had I looked a Playboy. at what ingredients. Playboy underneath the uh, the sink in the bathroom, and mm-hmm. that was my go-to for, all right, let's just take a look here. Okay, well, the study says that uh, it's uh, putting people at risk for hemorrhoids and constipation, and that you really shouldn't take your phone into the bathroom with you. Oh, well, well you know what? Don't tell me what to do. Water closet. If I want to take a 15-minute dump, you are not the dump police, okay? You don't get to the tell me how police. long I get to go. And by the way, it's been noted that fans of mine mm-hmm. are called hamroids. <laughs> Seriously? Hamroids yeah. on the oh, Hammer and Nigel go. show. Fans of Nigel's are called Nigerians, <laughs> and fans of mine are called Hamroids. I like it. Okay. Uh, so, another big announcement out of Purdue yesterday Drew Brees coming back home again to Indiana. So, he's going to be the assistant coach in their bowl game. He's going to be like their quarterback's coach mm-hmm. because they're interim, interim assistant. Right, coach. right. Just yeah. kind of a one game deal mm-hmm. um, because they're in between head coaches right now. The new yeah. guy. Hasn't quite got his feet wet yet. He'll be there next year. And they're playing LSU, who is going to be bringing some firepower. So Drew Brees has said, you know what? I'm going to be the assistant quarterback's coach here. But Purdue's quarterback is not going to be playing in the game. Aiden O'Connell is setting it out. Yeah. I think a lot of people would like to see that as a permanent situation. LSU will win that game and cover. What do you have coming up this afternoon? Oh, Abdul's going to join us. And I'm tired of all the talk. Either crap or get off the pot. Are you running for mayor or not? <laughs> Thanks, Hammer. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Oh, 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 oh.